you have a Bible, you can open to Matthew chapter 6. We'll look at verses 19 through 24. The text is also in the bulletin on the next page. And I'm at the uh, tail end of a cold, which um, maybe from experience you know is sort of the worst part of it for uh, actually speaking. Hopefully my voice uh, doesn't go out. Let's try to get through this. <laughs> Let's pray, and we'll read the scripture. <clears throat> Father, it's probably true that um, we don't really know what kind of help we need when we ask you for help. Uh, So we ask that as we consider your word together now, that you would help us as you know what is best for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness." No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise be to you, O Christ. So the topic of our wealth, that's sort of what we're talking about today. Um, This part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is about... The topic of our wealth is an uncomfortable topic for us. I remember hearing a radio ad for some financial services... One time it said, uh, I would sooner talk about what goes on in my bedroom than in my bank account. (laughs) Um, It's understandable why it would be such an uncomfortable topic for us. Uh, It's because we're so attached to our wealth. We're so attached intimately to our wealth. And uh, we might suspect that we probably shouldn't be so attached to our wealth. Right. So Jesus talks about uncomfortable topics like wealth uh, pretty often and unapologetically. Uh, and that's not because he's just an insensitive jerk and doesn't realize, you know, that we shouldn't talk about such things, uh, but because he knows what is good for us. That's why he talks about this. So when Jesus talks about wealth, he uses the language of treasure. That's what he's saying here, uh, treasure, which is actually a bigger category than just money. <clears throat> treasure is what you value. Treasure is what is precious to you. It's what you delight in. It's what you invest your life's energies in what you work for, what you pursue, what you're devoted to. That's what treasure is. So when Jesus says in verse 19 there, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, he's talking about anything in this world, uh, created things, even good things, that you value above all else, that you prize above all else. Right? So this could be your home, it could be your car, it could be your television, it could be even people in your life, good Good created things, um, like the, the people in your life that you're supposed to love. But treasure, uh, treasure is, also, is, is often synonymous with monetary wealth. That's why we talk about money so much when we talk about this idea in the scriptures. It's, it's synonymous with monetary wealth for good reason. If you get your money, then your shot at getting anything you want is greatly improved. Anything you really prize, anything you really value, um, you can get it if you get your money. Right. 
So the World Happiness Report is some annual report that ranks nations in the world according to various factors, really, but mainly the, the sort of gross domestic product per capita, right? It's an economic report. Uh, and the, the freedom to make personal choices and stuff like that. So the World Happiness Report said that the happiest people have enough money to do what they want. That's how you rate happiness, right? That's the attitude toward our wealth that uh, Jesus is addressing. He's not merely forbidding you to obtain wealth. Wealth. He's saying that amassing wealth for yourself is a deep problem with your heart. It's a problem with what you want, with what you believe you can get from wealth, from your earthly treasures. Do not set your heart on earthly, temporal, created things as ultimate as the true ground of your happiness, the true ground of your security or your hope or your life. That's what Jesus is saying. Now it becomes clearer why this is such a difficult conversation for us, because this is a matter of my heart and my soul being fixed on something, latched onto something, right? And we can't really bear the exposure, the, the scrutiny, when the naked truth is that we've given our hearts, we've let them latch onto earthly wealth, we've sought that, we've served it as if it were a god. It's unbearable to know uh, that our lives are sort of hunched over such a puny little thing as money, such a puny god, that our hearts are warped and distorted like light bending toward a black hole. That's hard for us to know about ourselves and face about ourselves. It says in verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, where our treasure is, there is our trust, our security, our consolation, and our God. So most of us are probably embarrassed to be so devoted to our treasures because they make bad gods. We know they make bad gods. We know that these treasure, treasures disappoint, right? It makes sense to us. Moth and rust eat up earthly treasures. Thieves can break in and take them away from us. Nothing in this world lasts. All of it is fading. We're ultimately powerless to stop the loss of our earthly wealth. We cannot stop the loss of our earthly wealth. Created things make bad gods because they're not truly gods. They really aren't gods. They're not the true foundation of being. They're not the true foundation of reality. So they cannot be the true foundation for our lasting happiness, our lasting security. The pleasures given by wealth are fleeting. The rich know this, really know this. The security promised by wealth is unfulfilling. It's never quite enough. The hope offered by wealth is slim and uh, usually unattainable. Uh, we imagine earthly treasures will provide for all our needs, they'll grant all our desires, even though we're constantly let down by them. You could be let down by them one moment and put your hope in them again the next moment. And what sort of people throw themselves after such disappointing things? What, people, what kind of people let their hearts latch onto treasures like that? We're called slaves. That's, what, that's the language Jesus uses here. He says, serving masters, right? He's calling us slaves to our treasure. Your treasure owns you. You reorder everything in your life around it. So mammon, usually this, uh, you might find this passage translated, you know, mammon um, cannot serve God and mammon, God and money. Uh, mammon or money is, is the great God of our nation and probably of most nations in the world. It drives 
everything in our culture, it drives everything in business, it drives everything in politics, international politics, it even drives uh, huge parts of religion. Mammon does, the, the great god behind cultures of this world. We obsess over mammon. We make big life choices with reference to money. Our identities get all wrapped up in it. We devote all our energies to it. We make terrible sacrifices for it. And Jesus tells us the truth that it is a harsh taskmaster. It is a slave driver. Mammon promises freedom, but we're under its whip. We're, we're in bondage to its service. Mammon, mammon uh, promises pleasure, but has rewarded us instead with stress all the days of our lives and angst. Um, Suze Orman, uh, maybe you watch OPB and you've seen one of her little half-hour specials. She's sort of one of these personal finance gurus. Um, <clears throat> uh, she says, your relationship with money, your relationship with money is as vital as your relationship with another person. That's the message you hear message you believe in this culture. Jesus would say, yes, you do have a personal relationship with your money, but that's not how it's supposed to be. He would say, yes, you do look for vitality in that relationship, like you look for vitality in other relationships with people, but you're meant to look to God alone for such vitality. When you have a personal relationship with your earthly treasures, when you set your heart on them, when you seek them and serve them, then you've got yourself what the Bible calls an idol. It's a false god. Money is a good thing. But good things make bad gods. <clears throat> so verse 22 and 23. Jesus says, The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So a healthy eye uh, means good eyesight, right? Letting light in. Uh, a bad eye means blindness. And commentators point out uh, that the word healthy, the healthy eye here, uh, can also be translated single. So if your eye is healthy or single, it means it's set on one thing, the right thing, it's set on the right thing, the one right thing. So to fix the eye, it's something like, it's something like setting your heart on. To fix the eye upon or to set the heart on something is a matter of uh, concentration. It's a matter of your attention, right? You pay attention to things that you're looking at, or you look at things that you're paying attention to. So when you've set your sights on earthly treasures, your whole body will be full of great darkness, Jesus says. You'll be an empty shell of a person trapped in the service of an evil lying master, a slaver, that promised you salvation, but instead gave you this slavery. And it's very likely but if that's the case, you won't even admit that to yourself. You'll keep yourself in the dark about what your true treasure is because of what it says about you, that your heart is so set on it. So that's why Jesus says this. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Jesus said, really, it ought to be a no-brainer. Uh, which treasure you should store up, right? Which treasure you should set your heart on and give your attention to. But the, the, the fact that it's a reasonable commandment is not enough. Right? It isn't enough for God to give you laws like do not covet. He's given us laws like this. He's, do not love money. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. We need more than that. We need a new master who will deliver us from the old slaver. Because even though 
we know that the old slaver is killing us. There's this siren song that keeps attracting us and keeps luring us back. We keep going back to it. We know it's killing us, and we go right back to it anyway. We need a new master who will deliver us from that slaver. Because ultimately the problem, it's not with money. Again, money is a fine thing. It's with our hearts. It's with the love of money. It's, it's about what we want, where we find our security and hope and pleasure. We're the ones who have given up our hearts to enslavement, so we need new hearts. We need hearts that are set on earth, uh, that are not set on earthly treasures, hearts that consider the one true God instead to be the one true treasure of our hearts, right? our real treasure. We need a new compelling vision, a new focus, a new ambition, a sight of heavenly treasures in Christ that will be captivating. We need Jesus to break mammon's grip on us, to set us free, to show himself the true God, the one who, whose promises are actually good, whose promises are actually true, who keeps his promises. And that's what we have. That's what we have in the gospel of the one true God come in the flesh, uh, as the Nicene Creed, Creed says, um, for us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. Did mammon come into the world? Did mammon come down from heaven to show us the glory of, of life in his kingdom? No. Never, never would, never could. Jesus did. And he brooks no rivals. And that's for our good. The true Lord came for our good to win our attention away from rivals. The true Lord came not to condemn, even though we deserve condemnation for fixing our hearts on anything but God. He came not to condemn, but to save. He doesn't frown and scold and uh, wag his finger at you. He has tender mercy on you in your misery. He came with pity, with compassion, offering new hope, breaking the chains of our captivity to false gods like mammon. He is our true master, our, our true Lord, who really delivers us, who sets us free, who really gives us life, eternal life. It's characterized by true joy and security. All the things that we were looking for with this false god mammon, he really gives it to us. Jesus does. He shows us that God is a father who treasures his son, who declares him beloved, who delights in him, and who then gives his beloved treasured son to us and for us. Jesus reveals God to us and he opens the way to heaven through his sacrifice. What earthly treasure ever sacrificed himself for you? What earthly treasure wields power over death on your behalf? <clears throat> earthly treasures, they call you to expend yourself to obtain them. Our true master spent himself to obtain you. In Christ, God calls you his treasure. He doesn't just say, make me your treasure. He has made us his treasure. He says, you are where his heart is. And he enters into a relationship with you where he has become your servant, actually your slave, willingly. He has set his sights, his single eye, upon you. He has sought you. So from our Old Testament reading, from Deuteronomy 7, you're a, a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, by his grace, right? This is, so there's mutual ownership. He owns us as his treasure, and we own him as our treasure. So Paul says in Colossians 3, If, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above, right? Be, 
single-eyed. Set your sights on, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Christ himself is our heavenly treasure. So he says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Heaven is the place where Christ is in glory. He's beyond the reach of any assault, any breaking and entering, any home invasion. He's beyond the reach of decay or disintegration or devaluing. He's beyond the reach of all of it. So invest yourself there. Fill your vision with him. Serve him. Pledge allegiance to him. Make him your precious treasure. He says uh, later in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. So the treasure in heaven, the treasure in heaven really is the glory of a new world of righteousness, a new world of love, the glory of true persons and blessed communion, the glory of deep joy and everlasting life with the Father in Christ, the glory of giving ourselves actually fully to one another, in Christ, not the, the faux glory of amassing things for our own pleasures and our own consumption. <clears throat> Laying up treasures in heaven doesn't mean, uh, you know, sort of doing things in order to earn a place there or to earn a special status there. Laying up treasures there, investing there, means making Jesus Christ your heart's greatest treasure. The one who treasures you, making him your treasure. It, it means becoming more and more the kind of person that you will be in heaven one day when you fully participate in the glory of the triune God in Christ's name. When your heart is finally opened up fully and forever to, to love God and give yourself to him and to your neighbor. So that means cultivating uh, your delight in God and other people's delight in God. It means cultivating your own and others, uh, supremely valuing the triune God above all else. It means cultivating your own and other people's vision of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As Jesus increasingly fills your vision, as you set your single eye upon him, as he becomes your ground for true ultimate happiness and security, the chains of the old slaver will be broken. You'll be able to hold your earthly wealth, which is a good thing. You'll be able to hold it more lightly, more open-handedly, right? More, more loosely. Not, uh, not clutching it as, as clutching a God for life, right? But hold it as a gift from the, the one true God to be received, to be enjoyed, to be shared with other people. Earthly prosperity uh, really will become laughable when compared to the treasures that you have in heaven, in Christ. They'll, earthly prosperity will become expendable for the sake of Christ's kingdom. You'll give your money away as a way of saying to those old gods, Like Mammon, you have no power over me. I don't believe your promises anymore. I don't need you. I won't bend my life around you. I have better promises guaranteed by a better master now. Laying up treasure in heaven means service to Christ and service to his gospel. It means temporal actions that do have eternal consequences. It means taking everything that you have in the here and now and devoting it to the there and then. It means expending your resources. It means expending your very self. 
for the sake of others, serving and giving in the name of Christ and for the sake of his kingdom. It means investing in your relationship to God and Christ. So one day, uh, you'll lose all your earthly wealth, and only your treasure in heaven has the power to raise you from the dead and to raise you to a place where you'll never know loss again, to a place where you can enjoy your heavenly treasure forever. Only Jesus has that power. So that's the only wise investment that you can make. So you should make it. Make Jesus Christ your treasure. Seek him with all your heart and serve him alone. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, our hearts attach themselves to all kinds of false gods. There's something really wrong with us <clears throat> that we can uh, hardly begin to understand, let alone to fix in ourselves. So we pray that you would save us from ourselves, that you would give us new hearts and a new spirit, that you would make your son our true treasure. In Christ, uh, you have made us your own treasure, which is the most wonderful thing that we've ever heard. <laughs> you have fixed your attention on us and you have served us. So we want to fix our attention on Jesus and serve you in his name. We pray that you'd help us to do that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.